I think that it is very, very important to continue encouraging our governments and ourselves that the environment is not really an issue for tomorrow. The environment is every day issue. It's the air we breathe, it's the water we drink, it's the food we eat, and we can't live without these things. everyone and welcome back to Eco Movements Podcast. I hope you are ready to learn, unlearn, and practice sustainability. If you don't know, my name is Krista. I am the founder of Eco Movement and Eco Movement is an ideology and platform that aims to cultivate climate justice through education, advocacy, sustainability, and interdependence in marginalized communities of color throughout the globe. Last week, we talked about what is an environmentalist and what space do people of color, people of the African diaspora, Latino people, and indigenous populations role in this movement of environmental sustainability. This week, we're going to discuss climate change policy and whether it's necessary for us to have climate justice reform or a climate justice revolution. And this thought was inspired by my current read, which is Black Liberation and Socialism. And one of the questions that were prompted in one of the chapters was social progression and whether reform or revolution is more beneficiary. Within our current political climate, we have to decide which resolution is best for us. And I don't have a yes or no answer to that question, but... I think it's important as environmentalists, as social activists, it's important for us to decide which route is necessary for our growth and progress towards a world of equity. Now, as I discussed in the last podcast, history and environmental history play a very pivotal role. And the society that we live in is very capitalistic and all about economic and material gain. And one can wonder, is it possible to have a sustainable capitalistic system? And can we make a capitalist system more sustainable? Now, <laughs> it's a very complex question and it's no, it's, it's a lot of gray area, but it's something that I've really been pondering is can we change our system from exploitation to gain an equity for all? Now, in U.S. history, we have slavery, we have the Industrial Revolution, we have this labor, cheap labor, prison systems, and the exploitation of people and natural resources, which is founded on the system of capitalism. With knowing that, we really have to understand that shifting and progressing towards a more sustainable society requires us to look at our past and see where we went wrong and how we can make it work for the next centuries of our species existence. Now, there is no definite um, definition of climate reform, but my definition is policy and actions that shift our current political and economic system. And it's more of an emphasis on the big government. How will they regulate industries? How will laws reflect how people behave? How will this shift our economic system? Climate Revolution disrupts the political and economic system completely, creates a new foundation, changes leadership, 
and there's an emphasis on small green grass organizations in addition to communities and what I like to call the lay workers or the people who don't necessarily have the professional training but learn through experience. The U.S. does have some policy in place as far as environmental management and sustainability. The first two that come to mind are the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act, which was passed by President Eisenhower in 1972. And essentially, the objective of these policies were to restore and maintain the integrity of the nation's natural resources, in addition to putting a lot of pressure on industries as far as regulation of production and emission of different pollutions as far as air, water, and waste. Since the Clean Air Act um, and Clean Water Act, there has been some smaller laws and policies on a national level, but the next major shift was Obama's Climate Action Plan, which focused on four things. First was cutting carbon pollution and other greenhouse gases. Second was this idea of disaster recovery, reforming housing insurance and policies and people who were impacted by natural disasters, especially after Hurricane Katrina. Also more funding for FEMA. Third was this idea of clean energy, which created the Clean Power Act, which switched a lot of energy sources to solar and nuclear energy, in addition to having a lot of scientific funding. Last but not least, the one that I think is the most important when we talk about climate justice and climate adaptation is this idea of global carbon standards and international awareness. Now, the thing about climate change is it's not just a U.S. problem. It's an Earth problem. And one country emitting a large amount of CO2 can drastically impact another country who has, you know, emitting in a decent amount and has standards. So as we all know, under the Trump administration, climate change is not seen as a major emphasis or a political crisis, but there has been an increase in small green grass organizations putting pressure on Congress and the administration to address global warming through policy and executive actions. Now, if you don't know, there is a new Green Deal. I actually learned about it through AOC, which is a state representative from New York. Awesome legislator. And when I first heard of the new Green Deal, I was very hesitant. Um, but after going through and doing some research and reading the policy, I am a strong, firm believer in this new Green Deal. And it can definitely transform our nation and communities on a big and large scale. So there are four main emphases throughout this program. First is the Economic Bill of Rights. The second is a shift from coal and petrochemical to new green energy and infrastructure, which creates employment programs, healthcare benefits, and equity access as far as urban and rural communities who don't have resources to sustainable development, research, and innovation. Thirdly, we have the financial freedom and reform on banks and Wall Street. Lastly, is creating a functional democracy, which focuses on, once again, healthcare, prison reform, and immigration. Now, this program isn't solely fixed on climate change, but it talks about the sectionality of social issues that our country is facing, which I think is really important as we move forward in this idea of sustainability. The definition is definitely broadening to encompass 
every problem that we have. And the intersectionality of health, housing, economic freedom, regulating big businesses, green energy and social progress and equity for all makes this new Green Deal innovative, different, and definitely a solution to the multiple issues and social pro- social and political and economical issues that we're currently having in the U.S. and ultimately globally beyond our borders and lines. So I will say that this particular deal is less focused on regulating industry and more about changing industry, which makes it different from the different acts and laws and amendments that have been put in place previously. It's also more focused on changing our economy, which will directly impact our CO2 emissions and greenhouse gases overall. Now, Although I'm not really sure if this is more climate reform or climate revolution, it really is aiming to shift the U.S. economy and culture, what leads me to think it's more of a climate revolution, and it is led by smaller grassroots organizations. It's not so much of a reform because it's not trying to slap a Band-Aid on the program. It's really aiming to change it internally and, you know, externally the impacts will show now although i am an (laughs) advocate for this policy i do believe that there is room for criticism one it's not based on science (laughs) and as a radical scientist i understand that there is a need to address problems as far as it pertains to our ecosystems land air and water (laughs) it doesn't attach itself to any type of environmental management, which is an essential part of addressing climate change as it comes to industry and using industry and using natural resources. Secondly, it doesn't address current climate change impacts, whether you believe climate change is occurring now or it's occurring later, there has been an incidence in a variety of health issues Um, Due to climate change, air quality, increased infected-borne diseases, we can't ignore those things. And as we move forward and we think about the future, we also have to think about the present. And I think it's important that any, you know, deal that we make, we talk about what's happening now. Because, of course, these things won't take full effect or shift completely, you know, in the next two years. But we have to think about, you know, what are we doing now? Secondly, Unlike Obama's um, climate action plan, it doesn't talk about anything at an international level. And although there are a lot of companies that are based in the U.S., a lot of their industries are based outside of our borders, such as the palm oil company in Brazil, which is destroying the forest and ruining indigenous communities, or even the headstone making in India. (laughs) and those two companies contribute significantly to co2 levels which leads to global warming which which leads to the sea level rising and a variety of different health issues that i won't get into too much detail because a google search will show you all the impacts but we really have to look at things from an international lens which is one thing that obama's action plan emphasizes within this program so as we all know, or you should know and learn, that eco-movement is all about education and advocacy. And oftentimes, especially right now, our, <laughs> our economy and our current presidential administration doesn't emphasize climate change. 
and it can leave you feeling very powerless and almost as if you can't do anything. But ultimately, if we can change our communities, then we can change our environment. We can change our world through that. And changing our culture is changing how we think, changing how we eat, changing where we work, changing how we work, changing how our families work in the And essentially that changes our culture, our economy, and our political system because there's more individual communities than there are Congress, presidents, and judges, et cetera, et cetera. And Wangari Mathai, she says something that's very important and always sticks with me. And she talks about in order to have a sustainable society, we need to live within our own means so that we don't destroy the environment. And oftentimes within our communities, within our capitalistic system, we don't necessarily live within those. We think about us instead of all within our community. So shifting our culture in our community can drastically shift the economy and how it works for us and what it does to us. Now, this is not about socialism. This is about justice and making sure that we understand the role that we play in balancing our ecosystem Lastly, one thing or critique to talk about the new Green Deal is there's a lot of emphasis on green energy. There's a lot of emphasis on changing from coal coal, and petrochemical companies. But there are other industries, as I mentioned before, who have very high emission rates and they do have some type of devastating effect on our natural resources and our environment. I think an important industry to kind of highlight is the agriculture businesses. Meat production and transportation heavily impacts our ecosystem locally and nationally and even internationally because we are importing a lot of foreign goods into our local communities. Even technology. Where does your phone come from? What minerals were used to make it? Your AirPods, your laptop, how was it transported here? Who made it? All of these things ultimately impact our environment. They impact us as individuals and they impact our economy. So we really have to shift our thinking and understanding that it's not just coal and petrochemical companies in the South and in the West and in the Midwest and the East Coast that is causing our nation to have such a high CO2 emission rates. It's all of these industries and it's our demand and the production of these things. Now, as I mentioned, this change and this shift is an overnight practice. It takes years. And a great example is in the 80s, I wasn't born, but when it did occur and there was a high incidence of people dying from this unknown disease and we were trying to educate and advocate for HIV awareness and prevention, condoms just didn't appear free in a health clinic overnight. Rapid free HIV testing just didn't happen. The medication that's needed to keep HIV positive patients alive just didn't appear. It takes time. And even till today, we're still doing research. And I use this example because this is exactly how this climate change and social sustainable development is going to occur. It's going to take time. Shifting culture is one of the hardest things to do because everything we do is culture. But if we can shift the way that we think about what we need in our life, 
where we buy our products and how much of them that we need, we can ultimately shift those political and economic systems, which is greater than, than any policy or law that is out there. With all of that being said, I want to ponder again on this idea of can we make capitalism sustainable? Can we make it work for us the way that it is? I don't have the answer. I ponder <laughs> upon it often ever since I thought about it. But I definitely believe living within our means, as Wangari Mathai says, and changing and shifting our culture is essential in this development. Now, climate reform in the past has been slapping a Band-Aid on the problem. And a revolution can disrupt the system, but it doesn't always fix the problem. So I definitely feel like they are both necessary and needed in shifting our culture to make a more sustainable environment. That's all I have for you. I hope you learned something, you unlearned a negative thing, and you're ready to be more sustainable. Until 